Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and this episode is beginner tip 31, where we will discuss the basics of training zones and workout types. But first, big thanks to our sponsors. Precision, precision hydration make electrolytes that are as big a part of hydration as fluid, as you know by now. But sometimes it can be very difficult to get them in, especially when out on a run and it's not as easy to carry water bottles as on a bike ride. So a lot of athletes tend to just not bother with hydration at all when running and uh, because it has these challenging, challenging aspects of carrying the bottles. But this is not ideal for performance in your workouts and uh, Precision Hydration has therefore created a blog post with practical advice on how to get fluids in on the run in both training and races. So this is very useful if you struggle to stay hydrated during your run training and especially in this recent heat wave that we've had in Europe at least. So check out the show notes or the episode description where I have a link to that article. And if you want to buy any electrolyte products, use the promo code TTS20. That will give you 20% off any products on precisionhydration.com in the month of August. And big thanks to Roka. Roka created the highest quality triathlon wetsuits, apparel, equipment and eyewear in the world. You can find them on roka.com. And uh, here's a personal anecdote about Roka. I spent last week in Italy in the Dolomites cycling, it was the best, best holiday ever. But unfortunately, there was uh, one dark cloud on the sky, and that was that the airline lost my hold luggage. And now, nine days later, I still haven't heard anything about it, which is a real disaster, because I had my Roka Maverick X wetsuit and my tri-suit, Roka tri-suit in the hold luggage. So that is a big, big loss. But then again, when I try to look at it from the positive side, as I tend to do, if there are triathlon gods, then this is probably one of the best, most powerful sacrifices to them that I could have made, aside from my arm and my legs. So I expect now to get a fitness boost of, let's say, 5-10% for this uh, very painful sacrifice that I made. But of course, I can always go to roca.com and use the promo code DATTRIATHLONSHOW, all one word, all caps, to get 20% off my entire reorder. And so can you. So again, that's roca.com with the promo code DATTRIATHLONSHOW, all one word, all caps, for 20% off. Alright, so for today's main topic, let's recap some things. I have some specific episodes for how to actually set your training zones that I'll refer you to and I'll link to them in the episode description. These are episodes 27, 29 and 30 and they are about training zones for swimming, run, biking and running respectively. And the training zones that I'll re- refer to are zone 1, zone 2, zone 3, zone 4, zone 5 and zone 6. I will use that to some extent. Zone 1 is active recovery. Zone 2 is aerobic endurance. Zone 3 is... Uh, tempo or moderate intensity zone four is threshold zone five is uh, vo2 max or maximum aerobic capacity and zone six is anaerobic and uh, in some cases on uh, in cycling at least you also sometimes see zone seven used which is neuromuscular development so really short duration sprint training but let's not bother with that today we can categorize these into 
three broader buckets with zone one and zone two being low intensity training, zone three being moderate intensity training, and zone four and zone five. Actually, the low end of zone four would be moderate intensity, and the high end would be high intensity together with zone five. And uh, the reason for this is that your functional threshold falls in uh, the in zone four within zone four, but not uh, at either end of it. So above the threshold, there would be your high intensity training and below it would be your moderate intensity. A few things, general things to keep in mind here is that your heart rate zones will be different on the bike and the run. You cannot use just one set of heart rate zones in general, it is lower, your functional threshold heart rate is lower on the bike, so all your training zones will also be lower heart rate-wise on the bike compared to the run. But uh, in terms of how to use zones and select which types of zones to use, on the run, pace zones are much preferable to heart rate, at least if you do your running in a uh, not super hilly area. If you have access to a power meter on the bike, then that is the gold standard for training zones on the bike, but otherwise you should use heart rate and RPE, rating of perceived exertion. On the run, you can use pace. Again, if you have power, you can use that, but you can use pace and power alongside each other. That's what I do. But on the run, you really get a lot of the benefits already from having pace zones, and most athletes these days have GPS watches, so so I guess that most of you listeners will have access to those pace zones on the on the run which is perfect on the bike you'll have to do with heart rate zones which is not as good as power zones but it's uh you can work with that it's uh, not a problem i don't think that it's necessary to go out and buy a power meter for beginners i wouldn't recommend that get uh, get some more uh, some more a couple of seasons in you before you do that on the swim of course pace is the gold standard but also rpe because you can't really know what your pace is when you're swimming so you just need to learn to feel the effort that your body is putting out quite often on swimming in swimming your main sets will be simply a best effort so for example you'll do 10 times 100 meters and you'll try to swim as fast as you can for that uh, distance and for those number of intervals okay so let's get into the different zones and starting with low intensity zone one and zone two So these are, again, recovery workouts and aerobic endurance workouts. And in general, it depends a bit on the individual, of course, how much you train, your background. But in general, it uh, should constitute about 80% of your training. The low-intensity training should be the majority of what you do. And the majority of low-intensity training should be zone 2, so slightly harder than zone 1. Zone 1 is a very, very light effort. You're really holding yourself back. So it's active recovery after the day after a race, for example, or between intervals in an interval workout. This is the intensity of the recovery efforts. Zone 2 is more, it's still light but it, and comfortable, but uh, not quite as light as Zone 1. The pace is still conversational. You can complete sentences and hold a discussion with a friend. It's an all-day-long effort. So I recommend that you try to tune into that do the talk test and try to talk to yourself. See if you can hold a conversation. Then you know that you're in zone two without huffing and puffing too much and uh, and having to catch your breath. So zone two really is where you build your base fitness. It's not because it is more effective at increasing your fitness level than higher intensities, 
but because it is the right trade-off between increasing fitness and between being sustainable because you just couldn't do higher intensities for weeks and weeks on end and be consistent with it it's not possible so that's really why zone two is is where you build your base otherwise compared to zone three for example the physiological effects of zone two are the same as zone three but they are a bit less the stimulus is a bit smaller in fact but it just comes down to the fact that since you can accumulate more total time at or training and uh, causing those those stimuli that's why zone two is the ideal the ideal intensity to build your fitness base when you do long workouts like long rides or long rides if you do them then zone two may actually become quite challenging late in those workouts and you may need to start concentrate to maintain your pace but uh, for most beginners the problem is this isn't the problem the problem when doing zone two workouts is that you are likely going too hard when your plan calls for zone two efforts and this may in turn reduce the intensity that you can maintain in your higher quality or harder workouts so try to avoid this a couple of example workouts to wrap up 40 minutes running in zone two continuous or one hour bike continuous in zone two simple as that that's how you build base fitness so moving on to moderate intensity. This is your zone 3 and lower zone 4 workouts. Uh, some uh, synonyms include tempo or sweet spot and sub-threshold. They're not complete synonyms, but they all fall in this moderate intensity category. So zone 3 is often where many athletes, especially beginners, would end up if I told you to go out and run or ride without any more instructions to it. And the reasons for this is that it's no longer an all-day pace. You start to need to do a little bit more work, so it actually feels like training, but it's still comfortable enough that it's not too hard. So that's why athletes tend to gravitate towards this intensity. Many athletes may say that zone 1 to zone 2, it doesn't really feel like training. So workouts in zone 3 are really known as tempo workouts. Zone 3 and tempo can be used interchangeably. Your breathing starts to become a bit more labored here, so you cannot have completely unhalted conversations anymore. So that's why the talk test is really great. If that is the case for you, and you're supposed to go in zone 2, then you need to slow down a bit. But if you're supposed to go in zone 3, then you're doing just fine. Then you should not be able to complete those sentences. The benefits of working out in zone 3 is that, uh, as I said, it works the exact same energy systems as zone 2, but provide a bigger stimulus since the intensity is higher. You're close enough to your functional threshold, whether it's cycling or running, that you can, or, or swimming for that matter, that you start to push it and uh, improve it and, and raise it a little bit from below. And most athletes can quite quickly learn to accumulate quite a lot of work in zone 3 and still recover well from it. So... If all goes well, you can get a great training stimulus fairly inexpensively in terms of when we consider recovery time a cost, which we should when we plan our training. Another benefit is that uh, for many athletes, zone 3 is also race pace, so it's race-specific training. So for example, for most beginners, zone 3 and maybe low zone 4 would be race pace intensity for an Olympic triathlon, bike and run. And for any athlete, really, zone 3 is the race, or for an intermediate to advanced athlete, I should say at least, 
7.3 is the race intensity for 70.3 half Ironman racing. Excuse me. The potential drawback of training in uh, 7.3 and in moderate intensity bucket in general is that you may require more time to recover from these workouts that, than you think and than you feel. So depending on how many hard or quality workouts you have room for in your schedule, if you have to choose between a zone 3 and a zone 4 or zone 5 workout, you may want to choose the higher intensity to get an even bigger stimulus and then do the easy workouts really easy, zone 1 to zone 2. For advanced athletes, they can do accumulate a lot of time in zone 3, really, by doing long intervals with just brief recoveries. But for beginners, I would say that some typical examples would be more along the lines of 15 to 20 minutes continuous running in zone 3 as part of a 30 to 40 minute run or on the bike three times 10 minute tempo intervals with five minute easy spin recoveries things like that sweet spot let's quickly cover that it's uh, the high end the very high end of zone 3 and the, the low end of zone 4 it's mostly used in cycling not so much in running so if we talk about cycling power zones for example where zone 3 is 75 to 90% of your threshold power or your FTP, functional threshold power, and zone 4 is 90 to 105%, then sweet spot is 85 to 95. So high zone 3, low zone 4. And sweet spot workouts are almost always done as intervals. For example, let's say 3 times 8 minutes at sweet spot intensity with short 2-minute recoveries. These efforts start to feel moderately hard to hard uh, rather than still quite comfortable as lower zone 3 workouts may feel. And then sub-threshold, that's uh, really the high end of sweet spot and uh, the mid-range of zone 4. So it's like 90-100% to of your threshold. So, so the lower two-thirds of zone 4. For a beginner, this might be, if we think in terms of running race pace, it might be your 8km race pace or so. Because 10 kilometers might already be so long that uh, that you would do that in zone 3 and not in zone 4. Whereas 5 kilometers is, uh, is quite often right at threshold or even a bit higher for beginners. So 8k race pace is roughly where this sub-threshold effort falls. It's an effort that definitely will feel moderately hard to hard and quite quickly. Sustained efforts at this intensity can be both demanding very, very, very demanding physically and mentally. Workouts here are similar to sweet spot workouts, uh, since it overlaps a lot with sweet spot intensity, of course, but maybe just a little bit shorter intervals and longer recoveries. So something like three times seven minutes with three minute recoveries. And these sub-threshold workouts also have a very strong stimulus, even stronger still since it's higher intensity, but again, recovery requirements become higher and higher the higher we go. Then high intensity, high zone 4 and zone 5, anything that's above your threshold. So this is really, we're really talking about VO2 max, your maximum aerobic capacity here, because it's quite rare to, to prescribe workouts that are prescribed as high zone 4 but below zone 5. Although it exists, uh, for sure. But let's simplify this and talk about just VO2 max. So really, zone 5. The benefits here really are that you improve your VO2 max, your maximum aerobic capacity. And since your functional thresholds are capped by your VO2 max, 
when you improve VO2 max, it's like pulling a string. So your thresholds will follow and are also increased. So it's a double whammy. These are, as you understand, fantastic workouts for that reason. But in general, you reap most of the benefits from VO2 max workouts after doing them consistently, for example, two times per week for six weeks or so. After that, you might have to revisit other areas of fitness, push that base up for a while before you return to VO2 max work again. Otherwise, you will start to stagnate and your improvements will not keep going. Zone 5 is also easily described in terms of running race paces. For beginners, I would say roughly your 3km to 5km race pace, or maybe even just 2km to 4km if you're a bit slower. Uh, of course, this all depends on what your level is, but to give you some idea. And workouts here are often done as 1-5 to five minute intervals with a total workout or interval duration total work duration i should say of 10 to 20 minutes 20 minutes is already very very hard so maybe not for beginners but 10 to 15 minutes is where i would start with my beginner athletes it feels very hard right from the start it's an intensity that you feel like at any given time you could only sustain for a few more minutes that's it some examples would be eight times two minutes uh, two minutes hard two minutes easy or five times three minutes hard three minutes easy and in these workouts, you really should rely on pace and RPE for running and RPE alone for cycling because heart rate will lag behind intensity a fair bit. So by the time your heart rate finally starts to stabilize at a given level, your interval is probably already over. So don't rely on heart rate for these intervals. Finally, quickly, anaerobic and sprint training workouts. These are zone 6, even zone 7 workouts in cycling. We can talk about that 7th zone. But these really, this isn't at all important for triathletes, in my opinion, and especially not for beginners. In zone 6, uh, that's anaerobic training. These are one-minute or shorter intervals. A typical example would be running eight times 30 seconds sprints all out sprints with four and a half minutes easy jog recovery very long recovery and the zone seven neuromuscular sprint training workouts they would be something like five times 15 second sprints again with long recoveries perhaps you could do them as uh, two minute easy spin recoveries and these would be part of a normal endurance ride so in that way they have a bit more utility actually than the anaerobic intervals because the sprints as part of an endurance ride is it's not as taxing as that anaerobic sprint workout anyway these aren't very important but i just wanted to cover them quickly but of course as you understand neither heart rate pace nor power are much use here these intervals are so short that you should just try to go as hard and fast as you can for the given duration i hope that you enjoyed this episode and found it useful I'll link to the related episodes on training zones in the episode description. And also, I'll link to a giveaway. I have a big giveaway on scientifictriathlon.com forward slash giveaway. And there are some great prizes there, including the main prizes valued at uh, 855 euros. It includes a custom training program that uh, I'll provide for you based on your individual individual needs and your individual ability and goals it's 12 weeks long you'll also get a free coaching consultation and you'll get all the training plans that i have and will make in the future 
you'll get uh, a goodie bag, you'll get SwimSmooth Guru Pro for one year, you'll get uh, the Exert Premium cycling app software for one year, you'll get a precision hydration personalized starter pack with electrolytes, you'll get six fantastic endurance sports books that I've handpicked, including the Triathlete's Training Bible, Fast Track Triathlete, How Bad Do You Want It, Triathlon Science, The Art of Running Faster, Endurance Sports Nutrition, and so it's a big, big bundle. And then there will be runners-up prices, 12 runners-up, and they will also get uh, the training plan bundle that I mentioned and some other goodies. Some more runners-up will get consultation calls with me. So really check that out on scientifictriathlon.com forward slash giveaway, or just click the link in the episode description. Finally, big thanks to Roka for sponsoring this episode. You can find them on roka.com and remember to use the discount code that triathlon show, all one word, all caps, for 20% off all of their products. And thank you to Precision Hydration on precisionhydration.com. In August only, they have a promo for 20% off using the promo code TTS20. And uh, that's precisionhydration.com, TTS20 for your electrolytes. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.